In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're finally there. We, we eventually made it. We've done quarterbacks, done running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive tackles, interior of the O-line, edge, defensive tackle, linebacker, corner. And we're going to finish it off today because the special teams room is done. We don't need any specialists. It, we, the stable is full as we approach Christmas Day for you off-season um, nut jobs like me. Um, so it is the safety room and a position which we're certainly going to sign somebody. Um, guaranteed they will not go into the uh, draft with the room the way it is. And I'm joined by my boy, Ian. Right, right, right. Fancy hosting match of the day this week because there's all sorts of turn- turmoil in the UK. I- I'm saying, I'm saying it's 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 madness in the mayhem, but no, it's it's good to get back. We've tried to time these up a little bit. So we're syncing up with the new season and we didn't finish and then have to just create a bunch of content to just plug that gap, you know? So yeah, the safeties, I mean, we've got the kicker of the future. We've got the, the Bojo bomber, uh, Charlie Hewlett is, you know, untouchable, probably the only one on the bronze roster. So it, it's funny because we, we're so good at identifying the players that we just don't think are good enough to be on quote unquote, a Super Bowl caliber team. But then I think sometimes we forget that you can't always just like go out and get Jesse Bates and Draymond Jones and Javon Hargrave and then draft, you know, Luke Van Beast, as I call him, like you're limited by your resources. So now that full free agency is right around the corner, the sources are popping out and everybody's wife's cousin down at the barbershop who knows the real estate agent, they're starting to come out of the woodwork, baby. Uh, There's some absolute crackers out there. Um, uh, in both senses, as in really funny what people are tweeting, and it's probably from crackers. Uh- <laughs> well, the crazy part is, is and obviously living out here in Chicago, the Browns used to be like always the talk of the top 10, right? What are the Browns going to do? Are they going to trade? What are they going to do? Well, now that the Bears lucked into that number one pick, it's carnage, mayhem, and chaos just out here. You can't drive anywhere in Chicago without every fan calling in for what they would do. And Jack, they would trade from one to two and get a second and two to four and get another second. And then from four to six and then get a third and then from six to nine and get a future. I'm telling you, it's like a PFF draft mock season out here in Chicago. It's fantastic. I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to trade it to the Panthers. Cause I'll bet. That's yeah. If that. they go to nine, that's you're talking multiple future first now. Yeah. So that's what my money's on. We've bet that there's smoke, there's noise, and uh, that that's the, the only thing going. I would tell you about that is polls may be adverse to falling to nine because I do think he wants to get the top tackle. So down, I would almost uh, that you'd maybe t- there or maybe Carolina would have to figure out a way to get like you'd have to get three teams involved where somehow like Carolina goes to. One, the Bears go to six, and then whoever's at six goes to nine, or so you could do something crazy because I don't think the Bears want to go all the way to nine. From yeah. what everybody's saying here, Poles is basically looking for the best offer to stay within the top five. That's the only thing I would say. Not that it wouldn't make the most sense for Carolina, it's just I'm not sure Poles wants to move that far back. We'll see if they they, they could offer the farm. Well, I'll tell you one thing the Bears don't have a problem with, and that's their safety position. They give, they've got two pretty good ones. And uh, the Browns, how many good ones do we have? I mean, we are we touched on the corners, right? And now we're kind of talking about that final piece. And the Browns this year did something a little different with their safeties, Jack. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but it, it, it was depressing. They went out and they went out and hired a coach specifically for the safeties. A man, Ephraim Bonda, the guy from Utah State, you know, was with Miami for a little while. So they now have a designated safeties coach. 
So if yeah. they're going to have a safeties coach, we're going to have a safeties podcast. Now, no, I, I certainly think Jack, it's a smart way to be. Who is our guy Ephraim coaching? Who? What's the current state of the Browns safety room? Yeah, so we'll start with John Johnson, um, who is going to be cut on Wednesday. Um, so you can't be a post-June first cut until the new league year. So they'll let him go. And then on the 2nd of June, they'll gain nine and a half million of cap space. Um, so that's when that money kicks in. But, but they can't use it. They, they can use it before then. It just kind of retros it, right? So they can't use it as such um, because they carry him on the um, roster, his current number, all the way till June 2nd. But then the money is then released at that point. It was designed so that um, players aren't like held just until that date and then all the other teams have spent for agency dollar and you're screwed. Um, so it's it's one to allow players to get on with it um, and sign who they want. But it doesn't really matter too much for the Browns. They're going to create more cap space. Teams generally will have at least a 5 to 10 million fighting fund during the season for like injury reserve, practice squad guys. So waiting that time doesn't bother us. Some people are freaking out. We need this money now. They don't. They're going to do restructures. And hey, the restructures might have happened by the time you're listening to this. Now, um, there is a limit. You cannot, how many players can you designate with the post-June 1st designation? So you can do two. So it's going to be John Johnson and Clowney this year for the Browns. Gotcha. So those are the two for the Browns. And while Clowney, everybody's been talking about as a free agent, explain why Clowney is going to be a post-June 1st even though we already knew he wasn't coming back. Yeah, so technically he's not a free agent. He's under contract. Um, and that's just so they can spread his dead cap over 1.6 million this year. And then what's 4 point? No, uh, 1.6 times 3. 4.8. 4.8. Yeah, it's 4.8. Um, we'll drop into 2024. So um, they've just done his contract slightly differently. Um, and this was designed from the beginning um, to have that option in it. Uh, so it's just a bit of clever accounting. The Eagles have done it quite a few times, players. So uh, the Browns just following what, how he does. There you go. So John Johnson, one of the few safeties on the Browns roster. He gone. Anybody who's questioning that, go listen to Andrew Barry at the Combine. He told you. We've uh, like got John go. So we already know that one. That one's in red pen. Who do we got left? So next up is Delpit, um, who he, he can do a bit of everything. Delpit isn't a pure, he's in the box and he can only play there. I personally want to see him as the strong safety in a tandem. But if you want to play times with too high, he's perfectly fine going back there. We're not talking like this is a pure strong safety that you couldn't play too deep with him at times when you want to do it. Yeah, you're not going to play uh, potentially too deep for a whole season, but he, he has a lot of flexibility, had a really nice second half of the season. They're not going to extend him at this point because if they want to extend him, he's going to ask for big money. Um, so th they're going to be miles too far apart, but what they do in free agency might stop them extending him long-term. And that's something to keep in mind as we talk about these names, because if they're going to go sign a guy for six, seven, eight million a year, or even more than that, there is no way he re-signs. So it's why it's important that they'll still need to go to the draft. Um, regardless of what they do here, I think they need to draft a safety. Yeah. And when we talk about resources at the beginning of the show, what we're talking about is you have so many needs and you need starters in some cases. So you really only have one, maybe two picks to get somebody that could start. Right. So, we kind of don't think they're going to take a safety at 42. I think that one, maybe if a guy dropped that you really, really like, maybe you have like Antonio Johnson as a top 20 rated player and he falls to 42, maybe. But I mean, we're talking minute percentages, you know, plus three, plus 4,000 odds in Vegas, I'm sure if you were to look it up. But yeah, so the 98 pick kind of becomes maybe at the earliest you'd take a safety. And as we saw, it's a mediocre depth class for safeties, right? There's not a ton of like high end guys, but there's just a good number of guys in the middle tiers. So I do think they're going to draft safety, but you're probably looking at day three. Yeah, but I think they could go really early with that pick 98, but you're probably looking at the fourth, fifth round um, where they bring a guy in and try to develop them. 
Um, so that's Delpit next. And I think there's a real, real, real realistic chance, depending on what they do in free agency this year, that they can come to an extension next year if he plays well. Um, or maybe it's one that happens during the bye week, something like that. But I think it would be highly unlikely, even though they could extend him this offseason for them to do that. So next up, he, he's a free agent, but it's, he's the next one to touch on is Ronnie Harrison. Um, he's gone. Um, I don't think there's anything else you need to say. Well, I mean, it could be one of those ones where Ronnie goes out thinking he's going to get paid again and nobody else is there. And he calls Andrew and says, Mr. Barry, please, please give me a contract. I would love to come in for camp. So if you could just give me the minimum, I'll come in and fight for my roster spot. Well, I don't think it's likely. There is always the possibility because at this point, Harrison has tried the free market and it hasn't really been there for him. And he's come back a couple of times. So you never know. I'm not ruling it out, but I definitely wouldn't bet any serious money on Ronnie Harrison being in the orange and brown next year. And so next up after that is DeAndre Bell. DeAndre? DeAnthony. DeAnthony, um, who has only played a handful of snaps. I think we're talking like 50 snaps, maybe at safety, uh, more of a special teamer. He, he He's effectively your fifth safety on a roster from what we saw last year. Um, he's more of a strong than a free, um, would be my guess. But obviously, we've seen so little of him, it could be more to jump in there and fill in there that spot. Yeah, he was a undrafted free agent they brought in, made the roster, which is impressive. Had first a pretty one. good show. Yeah, had a first pretty good showing in the preseason. So you see that he has some talent. He's actually a pretty sound tackler. Where he's deficient is, is in every aspect of the passing game. He just he doesn't know what he's doing yet. And that's fine for young players. You're, you know, he's a UDFA. We're not going to kill him over that, but they brought him in a little bit to play towards the end of the year, just to see what he has. I have no problem keeping this guy around to see, especially if he can develop into something on special teams. Yeah. And so that's effectively, have we got, don't forget one... about bubble, bubble Bolden, baby. Yeah. I was going to say there's some random other name. Well, they um, signed him to a futures contract. Yeah, and went, I, I honestly would have never even noticed it unless his name was Bubba Bolden. The irony about Bubba Bolden is Bubba Bolden. I'm just going to keep saying this played at Miami, which is obviously, so he should have some knowledge. If I'm not mistaken, I do believe his time with uh, Ephraim Banda would have lapped. They would have been there at the same time. Interesting. So I'm not sure anybody else, if you were standing at target, you'd look next door and know who, or next to you and see who uh, Bubba Bolden is, but. Needless to say, Jack, I'm not sure we said any names in there that you're like, I'm really confident in that guy being a starter. I would say Delpit's locked in as a starter. Um, just because they're not gonna they're not gonna bring in so many free agents that he's out the roster, out the door. Um, I think they're happy with him probably as one of the two starting safeties. Um, I think I think they still bring in a third guy, so I expect two free agents. Um, it, it, the second one being like that, Ronnie Harrison bringing someone dirt cheap because um, De'Anthony Bell's not a point where you go, he's the third safety, and we can draft the depth. Um, so yeah, I, I think they need two names, um, but certainly one starter of free safety. I, I I would be frustrated if they bring in a slot and then they're asking Delpit to be the free safety next year. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a little bit free safety, strong safety, and Grant Delpit. Because I don't think when we're talking about safety, people kind of understood. So last year, we played three different safety roles. You had kind of two free safeties and a strong safety. So to make that make sense is Grant Delpit and John Johnson played your kind of cover too deep. So I think sometimes what happens is, is people will go on the PFF and they'll kind of say, okay, if I'm looking at where did a guy play, like where did he play in terms of his position? So we're looking at safeties, right? The debate over guys out there that we'll name, did they play free safety? Did they play strong safety? Are they a box safety? So Jack, explain how PFF does their safety type of thing. So like, Grant Delpit, for example, will show like 250 snaps as a free safety, but 250 snaps as like a box safety. Yeah, so I used to have it because I did um, 
sort of their application process for grading, but it's a certain distance from the line of scrimmage. So you could have two, three um, free safeties in theory on a snap because they're looking at, are you this far back from the line of scrimmage and are you in the middle of the field or are you sort of out in covering some wide receiver? Um, but that's what they're looking at with their data. They're looking at where you're standing at the time of the ball is snapped. So you could have your free safety up close, who's then dropping deep. They're going to be in the box, not as a free safety. So that's sort of the, the nuance of um, what mm-hmm. they're looking at. And, and the reason that's important is when we talk about kind of the Browns, we talk about Grant Delpit, you'll see that he split between free safety. You're like, well, John Johnson was free safety. Well, that's because, like you said, they're both playing back off the line of scrimmage. And then you'll have a, maybe a third safety. That's where your, you know, Ronnie Harrison and these guys would kind of come in and cycle and play. That would be closer to the box. So are they going to keep Delpit in kind of that roaming slot free box? Like he kind of did a little bit of everything, right? Do you feel confident about matching him up on a tight end? Do you want him to play? He's not a true center field type safety. It'll be unique. And I don't think anybody knows the answer. We don't know Jim Schwartz. So it's hard for us to sit there and go, oh, we we know the answer to this question. We don't. I think we'll get a good idea to the answer to the question when they make a move in free agency. Um, if they bring in a pure free safety, then they're going to ask him to come up a little bit more. Um, hey, if they go out and sign more of a strong safety, they're probably going to ask him to go back. So um, I think that will give us a tell. Um, but I would prefer him close line of scrimmage. If we go back to 2021, he was it was a smaller sample, but really good in the slot. Um, one of the best sort of non-corners around the NFL to be in the slot. Um, so th- there's definitely some promise in there. Yeah, and I think ultimately everybody saw and coming out of college with Delpit, it was a little bit about the tackling. We've seen it. He's got a couple of form things in terms of his missed tackle rate. So not saying that he couldn't develop into something, but I think... I would agree with you. I would prefer to see him closer to the line of scrimmage. And in some applications where if I'm maybe blitzing a free safety, he can fall back, right, in some sort of an amoeba type of coverage. So I think using him as kind of the Swiss Army knife, so to say, of that safety position is where I think he'll have the most benefit. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Um, So I I think we're both in the position that they're going to aim for a free safety. The, The guy they put the money in. I would think, unless they're really confident that Delpit has this center field skill ability. I mean, I think your point of who they sign in free agency is going to tell you a lot. Or maybe they have a guy they really like, you know, I don't know, maybe like a Chris Smith or somebody on like that round three, round four. They're like, oh, we know this guy's going to follow us and we want him. I just can't see him giving that much role to a rookie. I just can't. If they were doing that, then I think they would still add a free agent and then they would draft as well because they can always push Delpit down for depth and have him battling for whether he's the uh, nickel the or the dime. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably where they would go. Yeah, and at this point, when you switch D coordinators and we know that Stefanski kind of relegates the defense to the actual coordinator, anybody who's sitting there telling you they know how the Browns are going to line up, I think is lying to you. Now, if Jim Schwartz says, this is what I'm going to do, then I would believe that. But I have a hard time believing that he sat down and combed through every ounce of film on every single player and has put together his ultimate defense already. I don't even think he has that information. We haven't hit free agency. We haven't hit the draft. I have no doubt that he's given Andrew Barry a wish list and saying, hey, if you can, can you get me these guys? And Andrew Barry's probably looked at him and said, this ain't happening, this ain't happening, but I can. I, this one I think I can make happen. I think we can get a really good idea about what he's going to do on the defensive line. There, there's a lot of evidence for what he likes, but we've got no clue when it comes to secondary. And if you want to look back to like his time of the Eagles, it's so long ago that the NFL's moved on. Teams are doing things differently. And he's going to rely on his coaches to do a lot of stuff there. Um, it's, not, it's not his bread and butter. Um, yep. So yeah, well, I- let's get let's get the easy one out of the way here, Jack. There's a lot of smoke, a lot of fire. Uh, I say that a little bit jokingly, but every free agency period, it happens. Everybody wants to buy, sign, whatever you want to call it, the most expensive guy at that position, and the most expensive guy at that position right now 
is playing in the state of Ohio, three and a half hours south of Cleveland in Cincinnati. And no, I'm not talking about Vaughn Bell. I'm talking about Jesse Bates. Jack, do you think the Browns invest over 15 million? And listen, we can argue 15, 18, 19, doesn't matter. Do you think the Browns are going to spend over $15 million on a safety named Jesse Bates? No. Um, and that's it. I just don't think it's realistic. I think there is more chance of them spending 16 million on Bates and 18 million on Hargrave. Um, because where do we look at the history of Andrew Berry spending assets? There's no history of him spending on defensive tackle, whereas we can look at, hey, he spent on edge, he spent on uh, safety, he spent on corner. So I think there's there's route to do it. If if they were going to make a big splash on defense, I think Bates makes more sense than a, a Hargrave um, or a, was it, Jones out of... Uh, Dr- Draymond Jer- Jones, who, who I kind of warned you was going to get a little bit more expensive than you probably thought. Here's my thing. And I listen, I understand that the idea is we're going to go out, we're going to buy, or we're going to sign the most expensive guy at said position because that's the most sure thing, right? So we're saying the most sure thing in the world is just go out and just pay for the guy that we know. Well, how do we know that when Jesse Bates gets to Cleveland, he's going to be worth $18 million? Because the Bengals, who have had multiple opportunities to bring him back, And there's been some contract things. And listen, I think everybody goes, oh, it's the Bengals. They're cheap. They don't want to pay, blah, 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 blah. The Bengals are going to pay Jamar Chase. They're going to pay Joe Burrow. Like, we know that's going to happen. Jesse Bates. It's We know he wants big money. We know it because he's literally come out and said, I want big money. That's why he didn't sign the extension with Cincinnati. But let me ask you this, Jack. Jesse Bates, second round pick. Juan Thornhill, second round pick. All these safeties that are top dollars of the league, all these free safeties, none of them are really first-round picks. We got one we'll talk about that's kind of later in the first. But why is it that all these teams are able to find free safeties in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds, and we want to go out and pay $18 million to somebody else's draft line? It just doesn't make sense. Clearly, there's value at this position later in the draft. Yeah, no, it's it's a position where lots of teams you can get good and you can get above average. Safety's been that comfortable position where I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, yeah, the spots across the roster is running back. It's guard. It's um, tight end you can get above average at a reasonable price. Um, th- there's only a handful of positions you just cannot go out and get. You can't go get quarterbacks. You can't go get wide receivers. You can't go and get left tackles. You can get right tackles. You just can't really get left tackles. Um, you can't really get... Even edges, I'd say, actually. You can get decent edges. Um, I would say mm-hmm. corner you can't really get. So you're only really looking at four. Obviously, there's still... When I say you can get edges, you're not getting Miles Garrett edges. You're getting... Yeah, listen, I mean, Max Crosby, we, we figured out was the third-round pick. And listen, there's there's never a one-size-fits-all. There's never a... Oh, you, every quarterback taken at pick 199 will turn into Tom Brady. Every seventh round pick will be Wes Walker. Listen, you're going to have that. And to be fair, most teams, when they draft those guys, do you really think that when the Patriots drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round, they're like, oh, this guy's going to be a seven-time Super Bowl champion? No. Like, come on. You get him into a system, and this is what we talk about the Martin Emerson with the show last time. You get him into a system where you're drafting people for a role. The Steelers have done it for years with their linebackers, right? They have a mold of guy they want. They bring him in. They give him two years to kind of develop. And for some players, it just clicks. But everybody we're talking about in terms of some of this safety position, listen, I get it. There's a Jamal Adams type out there where it's like, oh, he's going to be top five pick. Or there's an Eric Berry out there. I get it. There's always going to be a Derwin James. But there's 31 other guys starting in the league that weren't taken in the first 15 picks of the draft. The Kansas City Chiefs, can you name the two starting safeties for the Chiefs? Thornhill. And? Uh, I oh, said starting uh, two. Reed, Reed, because they got what's rid his, of... Um, what's his first name? J- Jordan Reed? No! Jordan Reed's like a media guy. Uh, he's a former tight end. Um, he's a former... Justin Reed. Justin he's, Reed, there you he's go. He's the guy the, I wanted to be the, he's the kicker for the Browns. Yeah, yes, yes, that's absolutely. Right. And then uh, also, you'll have like the year before that, they had what the Honey Badger, so they were bringing guys in. But yeah, nope, Justin Reed and uh, which one call it? Yes, 
Dwan Thornhill. Those are your two starting safeties. I don't think either of them were drafted. Uh, the Chiefs drafted Thornhill in the second round, and I think Justin Reed was a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day. He was drafted by Houston, the Texans. Yeah. So that's my point is, is you know, they don't have a Derwin James. The Eagles had Marcus Epps and... I know you knew Marcus Epps. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He was a he was kind of your slot free in that third one. Do you know who the other guy in their secondary was? I'm not. I'm not sure. These are my points, was, right? But we knew who the corner was. Coverage, um, whoever it was. What's that? He was pouring coverage. I know whoever it was. Yeah, yeah. So the point is, is sometimes like we want to go out and who we always it? want to. What's well, Mark? Hanging. Well, you're talking about the on the corners. You're talking about um, uh, the, the 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 other safety. Who was the safety with that? It was Roddy McLeod, the one, the free agent. No, Roddy McLeod was in Indianapolis. Oh, that, Roddy McLeod was with the Eagles in 2021. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, the second one, uh, Reed Blankenship was there. Who's the other guy? Because he was the rookie. So it would have been CJD or CG Day, Kayvon Wallace, and Reed Blankenship. Those are the three guys that played. And then their corners would have been... Josiah Scott, Avante Maddox, Bradbury and Slay were the two obviously big guys. So my point being larger one, you don't have to go out and buy an $18 million a year safety. You can go into the draft. Now, Jack, we're going to talk about some guys because Bates was kind of the easy one. There's quite a few safeties out here right now that I think could come in and fill a good enough role to get the Browns secondary back to where it was in the top five. So we've kind of bucketed these guys off because we do think that the Browns are probably likely going to sign one. So that gives us a little bit more of a vested interest to figure out who is the best fit. So Jack, who are kind of your tier one? Bates obviously is one. So I've, I've got five or six guys. Let's get the exact number that are in my, and to be fair, Having spoke to OJ, um, my boy, Owen Jones, I've actually got a seventh. Um, but yeah, I've got s- seven in my top group. I want to make sure you weren't talking about OJ Simpson. Huh? That would have been an interesting yeah. one. So first up, we're just going to do alphabetical. Uh, I've got Amos. So with the Green Bay Packers currently, I'm pretty sure he was there this season, um, projected $6.25 million per PFF, about to turn 30 years old. It's certainly coming off a down year um, where I th- he was asked to play nearer to the line of scrimmage. Didn't work. So hopefully um, he can go a bit further back and uh, play a bit better. Uh, but I, I don't love it, but I could see it. My thing with him is, is I think we're on the decline. You know, obviously Adrian Amos has been in the league for a number of years. I mean, this guy is, was with the Bears back years ago. I mean, he's got to be going into his about eighth or ninth season. I just think you're you're in that case, if you're getting a guy like Adrian Amos, you're talking about somebody that's probably one year and you're trying to develop in. So I think if they go and they tip their hand with a one-year deal with a guy like Adrian Amos, don't be surprised if that pick 98, you're starting looking to safety because he would be your bridge safety, so to say. So next up, we've got a guy that's just turned 27 and that's Marcus Eeps, who you mentioned from the Eagles, 6.75 million. Um, Almost the reverse of a Delpit or someone who is phenomenal in tackling, questionable in coverage. Um, so I don't think that's going to be one, but there is links. Obviously, Schwartz has got the connection um, being former Eagles, but he, he didn't play too much, if we're honest, when Schwartz was there. Um, but yeah, well, th- it's possible. I think the natural thing that rules him out is his similarity in terms of play style to Delpit, right? If you're looking for somebody that can play the center field free safety position, you're not looking at Marcus Epps. That's not his strength, right? He's not a, a ball hawking, ball tracking safety. So now if all of a sudden you have uh, Grant Delpit and nobody, because realistically you're talking about the Anthony Bell is the only other one back because Harrison and John Johnson, you're like, you know what? Let's bring him in as well. 
and he's going to play more of a box style safety, whereas you're going to play a cover two back and you're going to leave Delpit out wide and you're going to bring somebody else in. I could see him being a safety three, but in terms of kind of that true coverage safety, that's, I think, where he's the most efficient. Yeah, I'm going to save two guys for later um, and we'll touch on them at the end of the starter guys. But next up is Julian Love. Um, due 8 million a year, three-year deal, about to turn 25, so really young. Um, and this is a true do-everything safety. Um, if you want him in the box, he'll do it. If you want to go deep, he'll do it. Um, he's certainly not going to play for the Eagles this offseason because um, he has been truly at war with their head coach. I think you just said something that we all kind of agreed with, like, hey, Nick, you, you this is my fear with Marcus Epps. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Javon Hargrave. When you're picking guys off of the number one defense in the league, there is an inherent risk that the reason that they were good is because they were on the number one defense in the league. Javon Hargrave is a a D-tackle number two. He's not a DT1. So if you pay him $18 million and he's not on a D-line next to Fletcher Cox, Nadamakong Sue, and Linval Joseph, and all these other guys, are you you're not going to get that same production? Just look at his days in 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 pit. So I got I'm I like Julian Love more for that, even though Sirianni's a Mount Union guy. I still like him more because he said we're all thinking. You're right, Julian Love. He was a Notre Dame kid. But again, I believe a day three pick. I don't know. I've not got that here, but it, I think it, he was he was a day three pick because I remember he when he was coming out, it was kind of that he got drafted by the Giants. And I remember there was Browns fans talking about him because there's always a stinge where Browns fans either want you to draft all Ohio State Buckeyes or all Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So, yeah, he was a fourth round pick, pick number 108, 2019 draft. I had that right. So next up is the last of my bigger ticket players, let's say. Um, And we'll pass to you uh, to do a couple of yours before we jump into two of the cheaper guys. Uh, And that is Thornhill who went into pre-draft, uh, sorry, pre-combine. Um, PFF did a phenomenal job of player projections, had him at five and a half, obviously heard hype at the combine, and that's been moved up to 7.75 million. There is an element of inconsistency with this play, um, just because at times he'll have good, ba- good and bad games, which, to be fair, is what you expect. You're paying Jesse Bates to be amazing every week, if you're paying someone around six to seven million, they're not perfect. Um, there's the acceptance with that. But again, relatively young, not nowhere near as young as a love. He's 27.3 at the moment. Um, I think many people have him as their sort of first choice for where they'd like to go. And if they get him, I'll be really happy. But at the same time, being on the Chiefs, similar to what you mentioned with the uh, Eagles, he's only asked to really do coverage. Um, they're not a team that other teams are going to run that much on them because, hey, if you're already 21-0 down in the first quarter because Patrick Mahomes is a beast, the team ain't, uh, they ain't running on you. Ah, For those that can't see the video, I'm conducting the orchestra because Jack is speaking my language. Listen, he's another one. If you remember right, Jack, you've been on Brown's Twitter long as I have been. You remember when he was coming out of Virginia, everybody was like, oh, he's the same. Because Brown's have, we've listened, flat out. We've sucked at safety for damn near a decade, two decades. We haven't had a good safety since, like, Nam, okay? Whoa, 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 whoa. My boy, when he handed that ball to Hugh, will go down <laughs> as a Hall of Fame jacked off in safety. Yeah. Well, and I, if Paul's listening to this, you know, obviously Paul and Demarius – uh, there's another one, but yeah, I mean, okay. We had one good season of the I'm sure if you go back, you'll find that we've had Andy Sandejo, I think obviously is clearly the Brown safety legend of the last decade. I'm putting him right up next to Joe Thomas for concussions created in a season by his own self. Um, but no, it's just, we haven't had. And the thing is, is in the AFC North, we had to watch Ed Reed for all those years. We had to watch, you know, obviously Jesse Bates now. And the Steelers had Palomalu. And then they had, you know, they've always had decent safeties in this division. And the Browns have not. So everybody's talking about Juan Thornhill. He's a nice player, but Jack, he ain't worth six and a half million dollars. He's not. I mean, this guy's he's a developing guy. He's not like 
insane with the ball. But yeah, you're right. If there's balls being thrown 40 times and Spagnola is just blitzing the shit out of him, he gets his hands on a couple balls here and there, but he is not great. And if the market gives him six and a half, have it a good day there, Juan. Yeah, so I'll pass over to you because I know you've got two names for I'm going to go with the cheap guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, my whole thing is, is if I'm going to spend the $6 million, there's a guy who I like. He's the one former first-round pick safety. He's been playing in the NFC on a good defense. However, he played on this defense even when that defense was not on a great team. Last year, D'Amico Ryans moved him from a free safety into a slottish corner. And I believe about three quarters of the way through the season, he looked and said, I'm not a big fan of this. I'm not enjoying this slot corner role. Can you please shift my ass back to free safety? That's Jimmy Ward. He's a physical player. He's good with the ball in the air. PFI, I think is projecting him somewhere around six, six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, 6.75. Yeah, so I have no problem giving him, you know, a couple years guaranteed. I just like Jimmy Ward, consistent. He's he's not Derwin James, I get it, but he's kind of that, to me, second tier. So if you gave me $6.5 million and I either had to give it to Juan Thornhill or I had to give it to Jimmy Ward, because, listen, I understand Jimmy Ward's 31 years old. I get it. Like That's the one knock on him. But I'm giving it to Jimmy Ward because, ultimately, to your point, I'm developing somebody behind him. And for Browns fans to understand, like, Jimmy Ward's like a year, year and a half younger than like Tayshawn Gibson. You can remember how long ago he was at the Browns. So that's why Jimmy Ward is probably the guy I want a leader. I want somebody that's physical. I want somebody that can track the ball in the air. Um, I mean, Jack, have you looked at all into Jimmy Ward? So I had sort of just glossed over and looked at him for the last season, seen it as a slot corner, went, nah, on to the next name. Um, and yeah, that, that was the uh, depth. When I was looking at 600 players this offseason, I didn't really have time to delve beyond a year if I saw slot corner. You know, I, I'm just heartbroken, a little bit heartbroken uh, that you have not vested as much time into Jimmy Ward. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously teasing. But if you look, Jack, I mean, this is a guy who's been in the season, been in the league since 2014. He, the first few years on a bad defense, you know, he was getting better. His best season obviously was 2019 with the Niners in terms of his PFF grades. But the last four years, I mean, he's been consistently in the top half of the league with safeties, safety play, right? So he's good at getting his hands on the ball. I think he has a career, I think eight interceptions. So, you know, it's not anything freakishly or anything like crazy at that. I think he had a little bit of a dip there in those really lean years in San Francisco. But yeah. This is a guy I'm, I'm bringing him in if I have the shot at him. That's just kind of where I'm going on that one. The second guy, we, we, everybody's, where would you put the, the two other ones we talked about? Where would you so put him? Adderley next is the name we're going to kick off. Okay. So I wasn't sure how much in terms of money because Nasir Adderley, the former second round pick, Again, Jimmy Ward, first round pick, Adderley, second round pick. This is a guy who was with the Chargers last year. Jack, what was his projected salary? Because it's kind of gone up a little bit over the last few weeks. So he's projected five million per PFF at the moment. I think before it was like three and a half. I don't four. remember. He wasn't on there initially in the first stage um, of their top hundred. Um, but now they've gone 200. He's on there. I think you could probably get that around 4 million, if I'm going to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Just because Chargers D, it, was hardly, it wasn't that highly rated. So hopefully the price is a little bit lower. Um, mm-hmm. But he's played well. You know, I love the forcing completion stat. He's done really well in that um, last three years. So there is promise there, um, even though he, he doesn't pop in PFF numbers. Well, and I don't think many people, we talk about the Eagles defense. I think you can flip it around to the uh, to the Chargers defense. I think Adderley's a guy who's going to be looking for a scheme fit. You know, obviously not knowing Jim Schwartz, he's going to have to look and say, he's going to want to pick the Browns as much as the Browns are going to want to pick him. You know, the former second round pick out of Delaware, you're looking at a guy that pretty much has played the majority of his career away from the line of scrimmage. Um, 
I don't think he's going to, like you said, I don't think he's going to wow you. But again, we're talking about sub 5 million guys. So we're talking about guys that we're going to draft, but we're also going to bring in some competition so we can hopefully find our day two or day three guy who's going to push them. How many free agents did you say make it to the end of the contracts? Like two out of 10? If you're spending 10 million plus, you're probably looking at a two-year deal. Um, Two years and they're out. So do you think Natalie is a guy that's going to be a one-year or two-year deal? No, I, I well, I think it it just going to depend how year one goes. Um, it could easily be a one year four million deal. Um, that he goes out and ends up signing. So it, it's going to be one year with a team option of the second. So it's not really any long term commitment. Yeah. So I don't know, Jack. I I think the real value here, especially when it comes to the safety market, is. You know, if you do go get one of those top, well, I guess top guys, I think at least what they do and how they're going to fit the Browns. But then I think there's a nice little crop that we're kind of going to come into, where you're talking about this two to four million bubble. Would you say that's fair? Well, there's two guys that I, I there's one that I understand, but there there is one guy, and for me, he was the number one choice of who I'd sign at free safety, and that is Rodney McLeod, um, just because. He's going to cost you two million one year, um, which obviously is really cheap. But he's going to give you a great level of play. Um, last year, not many players in when they're thirty-two years old have a breakout season. But he was PFF's seventh best safety in terms of grade, sixth best safety in terms of PFF WAR for like the value he creates. Um, has a history with Schwartz, which obviously is important because you're going to bring in a solid veteran leader who is still playing at a high level for $2 million a year, going to have an incredibly high floor. There, will he be as good as someone that you keep around for two, three, four years, potentially like a Thornhill? No. But you are going to have zero issue. He's going to slot straight in there and do exactly what you want. That will hopefully rub off on a player like Delpit, uh, potentially a rookie you're going to draft. And that, I think, sets you up a lot better for the future because the last thing you want, all these names we've spoke about on the sort of six, seven, eight million with the Julian Loves, the Thornhills, that's it. Delpit knows the minute that deal's signed, he's he's finished probably. Um, so he's then thinking, nah, do I want out? Do I, am I happy here? It kind of just disrupts the locker room. Whereas you bring in Rodney McLeod that's going to elevate him Potentially in a year's time, hey, Delpit hasn't worked out, Rodney McLeod hasn't worked out, maybe the draft pick's good. You can just go out and add another guy. Um, so it keeps all the options on the table, gives you a really high floor. And I, I think some veteran leadership in the DB room is important because the corners, I don't think, is bringing it. Denzel Ward plays well, but he's not a veteran leader per se. Um, yeah, pay for that quality. And Rodney McLeod, just so much sense. Especially yeah. with Schwartz here. I mean, McLeod's been in the league for God, 10 years now at this point. And I mean, he's been solid. I mean, those first few years when he was on that Rams defense during the, you know, the kind of early 2010s, he was always just kind of a solid player. You'd hear about him always around the ball, making plays. And then he goes to Philly, spends the last, you know, six, seven years. I, I, I even forgot he went to Indy when you mentioned it earlier. So yeah, he's just your veteran. So if they don't go out and spend say six, six and a half on somebody like Jimmy Ward to bring that leadership, that veteran side of it. Yeah. You bring in somebody like a Rodney McLeod and say, Hey, listen, you know, this safety room is your domain. I, I need you to help these guys. I don't think you have the communication issues, those busted coverages where guys are staring at each other. Like what happened if you have a guy like Rodney McLeod? I mean, this is just, he's always been a pros pro. He's kind of been like, a version of, you know, obviously talking about people that have retired and um, the McCourty, Devin McCourty, obviously required to retire today. So this is a guy who just is kind of a version of that, you know, has just always been on good teams and always been a good player. Oh, no, I think it's just so much for a no brainer. The other one is Jerron Harmon, um, who you can get on the cheap. Um, Hey, I, I, I was sat there. If we got Schwartz, then it's Rodney McLeod. If we got um, Gerard Mayo, then Jerron Harmon made a lot of sense. Um, but he's going to come in and do exactly what you want as well. He's played a thousand snaps each of the last three seasons, played at a good level. Um, it's low risk, it's cheap. 
And I just think the more you spend on a safety, that's less you can spend on a defensive tackle. So if we're talking, hey, let's spend 2 million or 8 million, people go, oh, it's 8 million, who cares? Well, that's the choice between eight, sort of 6 million that you're taking out of the defensive tackle room to put into the safeties. So I would rather spend on a defensive tackle and have two of them then go, hey, we, we've got Jesse Bates or we've got Rodney McLeod, isn't that great? So it's it's a balancing act. Um, mm-hmm. And give me the two million. And all I want in all I want in free agency, one-year deals are fine, just give me certainty. And then we keep drafting, keep bringing in draft picks. And if those guys develop, we don't need the, the old vets. And if not, there's always more old vets. They're lining up on the streets. You just let in the ones you want. Yeah, well, at that point, it becomes picking and choosing, right? We say this all the time. You're not building a roster with free agents. How often do we look at these guys, Kenny Galladay's and, you know, Zadari Smith, you see all these guys get signed by these teams and it's all the, the Vikings are bringing in this hype man from green Bay. What do you last a year, two years? And that's what it is. You're talking about filling a gap. So your draft picks can learn. That's why we talk about like, you know, a Jimmy Ward or Rodney McLeod or something like that. You bring them in. You're not solving the problem. You're basically raising the floor so you don't have busted coverages left and right while your younger guys are developing. And listen, these veterans know this. That's really what they know the best. Yeah, and it's free agency basically is sticking plus for draft picks that haven't worked out or you didn't manage to draft a player because you you drafted somebody else. Um, You're not looking them for long-term answers. And hey, if you get a young guy that you bring in and did really well, say Taven Bryant played really well this season, they could go, actually... We're going to give you a five million a year, four year deal. Come in, you, you're going to be here for the foreseeable future. So you can keep some of them around, but you also you almost want to go young enough and cheap that they're in a prove it deal, and you want to keep them around long term, or just go old and cheap and go it's one year job done. Um, elevate those around you because ideally, Delpit is the answer. The answer isn't going to be one Thornhill. The answer isn't going to be Julian Love. Delpit is ideally the answer. So let's kick that can a year, bring in Rodney McLeod, draft a guy, and we'll touch on some names to be like the third safety. Because, hey, they're not going to give Delpit a, a free pass into the season. They're going to ask him to compete for this team because Schwartz don't owe him anything. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, Jack, I think we're now into the, the, the what are you call them, the tier three or bucket three safeties? They're, they're the third safeties. So the guy you're going to bring in here isn't going to be expecting to start. They'll battle for it because these guys aren't messing around. But yeah, they're guys you're going to just say, hey, step in, do a job. That Ronnie Harrison, that sort of, um, he's coming in to prove a point. Um Start off with your first name, because I think he's going to be the most expensive of the group, but I do like him. So there's a guy, and I think anytime you're watching a game and you turn on and you see those sometimes interestingly designed Jacksonville Jaguars jerseys, there's always this guy in this like random 42 number flying around the ball. He's got his blondish hair just coming out of his helmet. Big hits here. Doesn't play all that many snaps, but when he's on the field, he's impactful. And that's the undrafted guy, former teammate of Josh Allen, Andrew Wingard. Wingard, he is, let's see, 26 now. So he's still a young guy. Played a heck of a lot more snaps last year with Jacksonville uh, than he did this past year. He had a little bit of injury in the beginning of the season, but end of the season, pretty strong. So my, I actually kind of thought Jacksonville might try to bring him back a little bit, but at this point, it's looking like he's going to hit free agency, which makes me cautious that he's going to want too much money. But yeah, if I'm looking for a guy to fill that Ronnie Harrison void, Andrew Wingard's a guy that I call. I just love the way he plays. Yeah, I played really, really well and got a lot of experience. 930 snaps back in 2021. Um, can do a bit of everything. Um, no, I, I think it's a no-brainer. And there's actually quite a nice group in this car. So um, I'm going to throw out Joshua Kalu. Um, K-A-L-U um, as my next name. Played with the Titans, the Titans last year on a min deal. So Schwartz connection there, which makes a lot of sense. Um, for me, he, he's the preferred name that I think is the most likely. Um, then to 
throw another guy that was with the Titans as a depth, and that's Andrew Adams, who's formerly with the Bucks. Um, just the Schwartz connection makes sense. And these guys, I'm not asking them to come in and do wonders. Um, I don't really need them to do too much, um, but they just need to uh, compete. Yes. Did you win a bet? I want some money. Oh, boy. Panthers are trading number one. So sorry, guys, who are listening to this podcast. It's already done, but Duffin knows. I made some money for my boy OJ, so uh, enjoy. Oh, there you go. Yes. So Rappaport sources say the Bears are trading the number one overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for big-time compensation, including multiple first-rounders. Well, Earlier in this podcast, I didn't, I don't know if, did we say it on the air what I was talking about with the Bears and Poles? I said that we recorded that. I don't think we did. Well, so people I, are going to be confused. But. I was going to say, I, I can't remember if during the pre show or the post show, there was a lot of talk around Chicago that they didn't want to drop past five, that nine was too far. Well, that was one of your all time quickest uh, at freezing cold takes that you can find. So I'm just going to go ahead and self tag myself in that one. But I got one other guy in this kind of third tier. Uh, do you have anybody from the Packers on your list? I do. Mr. Okay. Mr. Ford. Mr. Rudy Ford. So this is the oh. guy. He started off the season kind of making an impression with Green Bay on specials and then kind of moved into a free safety role for the second half of the season. And I thought played pretty well. So this is a guy young, you know, or young in terms of how many years he's played, so to say. You know, this is a guy that came from Jacksonville, um, just hasn't had a ton of of playing experience. I mean, I think his first four or five years in the league, he didn't register over hundred snaps in a season. Right. So if you're looking for a guy that's trying to find a foothold and really is on the cusp of earning a starting safety position, Rudy Ford's a guy that I would definitely take a look at. So one last guy for me, um, who is on my list. And this is a guy that the Browns actually tried to sign last year. Um, Brad uh, Steinberg actually reached out to me when I tweeted it and said, hey, they did try this. So uh, plays for the Steelers this year. And uh, I think he potentially got an interception. He did something when we played him. That's uh, Donovan KZ. Um, I think, pun? DeMonte. DeMonte. Uh, DeMonte. Just a really, really nice player. Can do a bit of everything. Um, I would be more than happy. Um, I think he was a guy that I'd probably bang the drum for last year. Um, just yeah, slot him in at third safety and you're going to have no stress at all. Yeah. He's a guy that's been around the league for a little while. I was with Atlanta for a while. If I'm not mistaken. I think there's a push by the Steelers to keep him. I think they want to keep him in the building. Um, I, if he does hit the free agency market, that would be an interesting one, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Even though I've been bang on with my takes today, disproven in less than an hour by one of them, uh, DeMonte Kaze could be a guy that draws some interest around the league. Cause you're right. He has a lot of that versatility and where he can play in the field. So that kind of rounds it out there. There's some deeper names that I'll just, I don't know. The, the, the one name that I've got further down got paid today by the saints, uh, JT gray, um, as a special yeah, team. Special that I, I quite liked as a, a potential one there if he made it. Um, but yeah, I, I they're in a really nice position. If we're looking across the whole free agency shows that we've done, what are the key parts? It's edge, it's DT, it's free safety, and even safety three. Everything else that we'd like to add, but it's not really essential in the same way that they can add a linebacker. Linebacker is basically irrelevant anyway. Um, but we're not sat here going, oh, there's one or two names and it's bust if we don't get them. Um, the, yeah, I, I'm I'm really confident going into this free agency class that we can we can do some really good stuff. Um, I don't think they're going to spend ten million plus on anyone. If they do, I think it's just one, and I lean more to Bates and a Hargraves. And he, he, there is the outside chance for wide receiver. That I've got an article coming out on Sunday regarding that. Um, but hey. it'll be an interesting one. I do think that again. Browns fans will be set up for disappointment on the first day of free agency, just because there's a lot of reckless speculation to, to steal a word from Kenny Carmen about this, how much money the Browns have to spend, right? Because they see that, Oh, look, Jack said we can get up to $90 million in cap space. You know, it, listen, just because you have $20,000 of available credit doesn't mean you should spend $20,000 of available credit to build off of our credit card analogy. But yeah, 
be, I think the Browns are going to be expeditiously cautious because as we've said for the longest time, you patch holes and you raise your floor in free agency. You build the future and the foundation in the draft. So in saying that, I do think the Browns could look at, you know, paying. They obviously proven that they went and paid and tried to get a veteran with John Johnson, gave him a decent bit of money to address that situation. It worked. It didn't work. You know, there was some ups and downs, obviously, in JJ three's career here. Um, if anything, his tweeting at some Browns fans was probably one of the more entertaining things he did during his time here. But yeah, I, I think if they do make that spend, a guy like Bates is just too much. But when you start looking at some of these other names, we've, we've kind of suggested, I think we're probably going to be closer there than you are. If you want to just go out and sign these big names. Yeah. Um, I think just on sort of a prediction for how much money, um, et cetera, stuff that moves around, um, I've sort of said about 65 million, I think is what they create. Obviously that's not going to be net over the salary cap because they're under at the moment. Um, and then I think they probably roll 20, 25 million into next year. Um, I, I think the cash is a much more easy thing to follow. Did a series on that, looking at cash spend every single year of Andrew Berry across all um, 51 picks. You're looking at 41 million net um, is what I think they spend. And Obviously, say you bring in DeForest Buckner, that's 19.75 million in one hit. But you also need to take off the guys that go out. So um, let's say you bring him in and effectively is replacing Jordan Elliott on the roster. Well, that's 3 million saved. So you're actually only looking at 16 million net change. Um, just stuff to just to keep an eye on. Yeah. And listen, last year, the big name and free agent was Marcus Williams. Obviously, he didn't have quite the 15 million a year type of, I think that he was paid battled some injury. So they're, they're really, they're really, I think last year was what three safeties that kind of got paid honey badger, Marcus may and Marcus Williams. I can't think of anyone else. So the free safety is just one of those ones where you're kind of just always searching to see what you can find. And I think they're going to go that route. I think it's a smart way to go that route. And they got to just be very cautious with that spending because to your point, you, you just can't blow this all out. Yeah. Um, it's a fun time. I don't expect too much on Monday, if I'm going to be honest, from the Browns. They might go out and do something. But um, I think we actually got – was Taven Bryant on the first day of free agency last year? Mm, first or second. or second. Wow. Um, the terms of this trade are out. The Bears have received to, pick, pick number nine, a second-round pick, a first in 2024 – a second in 2025, and DJ Moore. I told you it'd be a... a, a I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to know if we actually caught this on the podcast. Because, I, I, yeah, I, it must have been. Because I tipped and said, hey, got some betting advice for you. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm... What, what was sure your to... bet? What was your bet? I had 7-2, so plus 350. Um, so that the Panthers I'll... would make the number one pick? Yeah, the Panthers to pick overall first. So it's just over 500 pounds for uh, an hour's work, which uh not bad. Not too shabby. <laughs> um, I didn't even go up to the max bet. I thought 150. I, I didn't want to... 172 just looked like a weird number. So I was like, 150, let's, let's leave it at that. Hey, you can buy me a drink now. So, all right, Jack. Well, we've made it through the offense, the defense. We've made it through it all. Now what? Now what, what? What do we got? What do we got in the hopper between today? Obviously, being Friday, you all figured out when we're recording this, literally live, and we'll probably put it out even sooner than later, just because of all the things that are kind of breaking. And listen, this is what happens this time of year. We know this is what's going to happen. How many times we've been on a show or recording during the middle of the day, England time, Chicago time, and news pops? I get it. Uh, so by Monday. Maybe we'll do something if the Browns do make a little bit of a uh, a cannonball effect in the free agency market. We'll see. Um, outside of that, I'm probably going to put out, I'm going to do a list, Jack. Who do I want the Browns to sign and who do I think the Browns will sign? So I'll pick one player from five or six different positions and I think who I want and who they're going to, who are my guesses. So I'm going to shoot a little shot with the guys, not based on any inside info that I have, but. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see if I can just take a pitching wedge from 150 yards out and drop it on the green. No, I think that's a really fun show of what what we want to do and what we think they'll do. Um, maybe we'll break it into a couple, but that that should give you some content to go through um, all the way to Monday at noon Eastern time. 
11 a.m. Central. All right, Jack, always fun. I've actually heard rumors that our third, our third compadre, Paul, may actually start joining us on now that we're getting through. To be fair, Paul has been traveling Europe. And also, he's, he's a little bit, you know, this is his weather season, draft season, first-round pick. Those are really kind of Paul's forte. And with us not having a first-round pick, the man is doom and gloom. So you can blow up his mentions on Twitter. Please do. Um, I know many of you, whenever we are in public, always want to critique Paul for not being on his own show. But that's why he has us. That's why he pays us no money. So he can go out and uh, spend it all. But, uh, no, as always, go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>